challenge tonight. Prayer is always something we can certainly uh, increase on. As we talk about grace and have been for the past few weeks, <clears throat> I want to uh, just ask a question tonight. How's your joy? Uh, tough, tough times that we've experienced for the past year, and it seems like every day gives us a new reason to to diminish our joy, but our joy should not be determined by what happens around us, just period. Our joy should not be determined by how we are treated, by what people say about us, and, and uh, that's what we want to talk about tonight, a rejoicing grace, a rejoicing grace. I want to remind tonight of several things that God's done for us, primarily our salvation, this is something that we, I think, need to, I know it's a Wednesday night crowd, I know probably uh, we, uh, most of us in here have settled that. If you are in here and you have not settled uh, your eternity, don't leave without doing that. But uh, I know that it's, it's that type of group, but we need to be reminded once in a while of what God's done for us, God's grace, our salvation. And that helps us to put in perspective our life when things don't go the way that we wish they would go. And it helps us not to put faith in temporary things when we remember our salvation. Uh, remembering our salvation is good not only as far as our eternal destiny goes, but as we live and interact with others every day. As we look at Paul's letter to the Colossians, I want to draw some lessons tonight about grace in our lives, what God's saving grace is and what it does as we allow it to work out in our life. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the, love which, uh, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before the, in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. He keeps talking about the grace of God because of how important this is in our life. Verse 7. As he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Father, tonight I pray you'd help us in these minutes we have together, that we would just uh, glorify you in remembering your grace in our lives. Help us to have grace with one another as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Paul's epistle to the Colossians is unusual because it is written to a church that he did not start. Uh, he had heard of their faith, but he did not win them personally. The pastor at the church at Colossae was Epaphras, and many believe that he was saved at Ephesus and then went to Colossae and started this church here. But because of the prevalence of false teaching, Paul is writing this letter. He's reminding them of how important it is to develop mature believers. He begins and ends this letter with encouragement uh, with grace uh, uh, and, and talking about grace to encourage them. To face the influence of culture, Colossae needed God's grace 
just like we need God's grace today to deal with our cultural influences. Uh, living apart from the power of God's grace. If you choose, I just spent quite a while on the phone with someone today, stranger, but someone who just called in, needed some help. Uh, dis, you, but, but living apart from the power of God's grace. And I told this person, I, I can sense the need of what you're talking about because you don't have what we need primarily. Every human being must have, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't have him, we're going to live our lives with disappointment, uh, depression, discouragement. We're going to deal with those things if we don't have the grace of God in our life. Now, we can live with peace and joy uh, instead of living like the unsaved who don't know God's grace. When you are unsaved or if you are backslidden or you're not uh, right with the Lord and bad things happen, you are sad, depressed, discouraged, angry. But when you have Christ, circumstances cannot affect that uh, your, your, those emotions that you have with the Lord. They can't affect your peace and they can't affect uh, your standing with the Lord. And so we need to get to that point. Uh, salvation. One preacher, I think it was Matthew Henry, I'm not sure, that the Creator Himself comes to us and becomes our ransom. That is the reason for our rejoicing. Now, that is true no matter what happens in our daily life. That Jesus Christ came to die in our stead. Now, churches today adopt worldly philosophies rather than remaining faithful to the doctrines of the Bible the doctrines of Christ, the result is that they are spoiled. And when I say spoiled, not spoiled like rotten fruit, but spoiled like an army who spoils, takes the spoils of war. Uh, human understanding, rather than the word of God, spoils us of the riches and the rejoicing that come through grace. Now, I want to look tonight, just for a few minutes, at the riches of grace that, God, uh, that Paul describes here in Colossae. Because if you're a child of God, and it's been three weeks since you smiled, it's probably a problem. Uh, we ought to have the joy of the Lord. We ought to have, uh, and, and we'll talk in a little bit about, the Bible talks about singing, being a singing person. We ought to have those things. Sure, bad things are going to happen. Sure, we're going to shed some tears. Yes, there's going to be times of grief and, and problem and conflict. Those things come along, but overall, we ought to be a joyful person. The presence of the saving grace of God is the most as uh, important aspect of God's grace. Notice that Paul starts his letter here with grace and peace, and this is always God's order. Uh, of, because apart from grace, there is no peace with God. So he always has this grace and then peace. Because the Colossians experience grace... They had access to the power of God working in their lives. Because you experience grace, and I, we have access to the power of God in our lives. Now, this uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 talks about how faith brings this about. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The only way to obtain grace is to receive it as a gift by faith in Christ. 
Grace is not earned or merited. Complete trust in Him is the only way to experience God's saving grace. Now, you do not earn God's grace. He gives it to you freely, and that's a blessing, isn't it? Let me ask you this question. Why is it when we as Christians, it comes time for us to bestow grace on one another, we feel that they have to earn it before we give it? It puts us in a higher position than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, We ought to give grace freely to one another the way that Jesus Christ gave grace to us. And it's an amazing, we do the same thing with forgiveness. We readily accept the forgiveness of God in our life, uh, even though we don't deserve it. Yet we are very slow to offer forgiveness to anybody else around us. Now that is a tragedy, but it is the truth of many Christians in the way they live. They are not experiencing or allowing God's grace to work through them to others. Grace is God's part in salvation. Faith is ours. And we're always looking to, people are, not Christians, but people are of the world are always looking to earn uh, salvation. Baptism, good works, church membership, joining a church, doing right. All those things are good, but they're not going to get anybody closer to heaven. We have nothing to boast of in, the, in regards to our salvation. If you are saved, it is because of God's grace in giving it to you. Isn't that a blessing? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I just want to encourage you that we want to then offer this grace toward one another as freely as the Lord offered it to us. And then in verse 5 here, Paul talks about hope laid up for us in heaven. I, I, uh, I can use some hope. I don't know about you, but there's some, I mean, I, I could use some right now. And here it is, verse 5. Look what it says. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel. He's not referring of our hope of going to heaven. That's not a hope. That's a certainty if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Uh, that's a sure hope. Hebrews 6.19 talks about that sure hope, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. That's the kind of heavenly hope we have. So this is not what he's talking about, the hope of going to heaven. He's talking about here uh, the rejoicing that we'll experience when we enter into the presence of God. What an amazing thing that we have been given or promised a heavenly home. I mean, just think about that. It puts in perspective the problems that we have here. Uh, By the way, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I think that's the correct English, a passing. That's what the song says, right? I'm just passing through. Uh, And we need to remember that. I think of uh, the book, uh, or, or Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And uh, it doesn't talk about Lot. Remember Lot, he went the wrong way. Lot made bad choices. But if you look at those, the difference in those men, Abraham, although he was a wealthy man, lived in a tent. And then when he was, he called his uh, Wall Street lawyer in when he was about to pass away and said, I need to make out a will. And so he made out his will and said, being of sound mind, I leave Isaac, my son, a tent. And Isaac lived in a tent all of his life. Jacob lived in a tent. 
You know what a tent says? I don't live here. I mean, where I throw a, I, I probably sleep about, because I love camping, I'll sleep many nights a year in a tent. And uh, ground's getting harder every year. I don't know what's happening to the earth, but that's just happening. But uh, I, I like sleeping. But the, what a tent says, I don't live here. I'm, I'm just passing through. You know what Lot did? Bought a house. He set up roots in Sodom. He became part of the city council sat, sitting at the gate. Our problem, I think, as Christians is when we set roots in the world and we forget we're just passing through. Now, that doesn't mean we should not get involved and take part in our civic duties and such, but it should not devastate us when things in the world don't work out as we want to because we're just passing through anyway. That was all free. You didn't even have to pay extra for that. Mark Twain said there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. Not in heaven. Hey, no death. And no taxes. Hallelujah. In heaven. We don't know much about heaven, honestly. I mean, I've read a book recently about heaven by Randy Alcorn. It was a very interesting book, and, and there's uh, things, some things we see in the Bible. But I heard a preacher describe it this way. Think about this here. This is what heaven is. It's an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant. That's a good way to look at it, isn't it? An unknown region. We don't know much about heaven, but we know who's there. What a blessing that is. No better way to think of it than that. This promise gives us comfort. It gives us hope in any circumstance. And I just want to remind you tonight, I think we can probably use the reminder, we've got the blessing of salvation. That trumps anything that uh, is disappointing us in the world today. There's a story of a grandmother who took her granddaughter out for a walk on a really bright, starry night. And they were looking at the moon and looking at the stars and and she was naming constellations, and it was just a brilliant, brilliant night. And her, her granddaughter said this, Grandma, if the bottom side of heaven is this beautiful, just think how wonderful the top side must be. And I have to, I have to agree. Imagine what heaven will be. The promise of heaven is sweeter in light of the uncertainty that we're in. Don't forget, we're a saved child of God. There's no reason we need to walk around looking like we've been sucking pickle juice through a PVC pipe. Let's put a smile on our faces. You know, let's have the joy of the Lord in our life. We've got heaven to look forward to. What a blessing, by the way, to think that some of our own that were here last year at this time are already there, waiting for us to get there. Praise the Lord uh, for his promise. Now, let's look real quickly at the power of uh, not only saying, say, saving grace, but the power of singing grace. Ephesians 5, 18 through 19, the Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. God's people throughout history have been a singing people. Look at the Old Testament. Did you know the book of Psalms is, uh, this is what the book of Psalms is right here. It was Israel's hymn book. That's what it is. It's their hymn book. Uh, David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was the sweet singer. Uh, this was uh, their hymn book, and they sang the psalms. In fact, I grew up, I, we don't do it as much anymore, sadly, but I grew up singing many of the psalms. We'd make songs out of them and sing them. Maybe you did that too. Uh, but the, the Old Testament, they were singing people. In the New Testament, early church, they were a singing people. 
And it's still true today of us. It should be. We certainly try to keep that alive. I invited somebody to church not long ago, and they said, uh, this young lady said, the Baptist church, Baptists, are those uh, people that sing, uh, sing all the time? Said, we do some singing, so, you know, some of our people can't sing, and they still do, and so, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, we're to be a singing people. Uh, now, one person, uh, one preacher put it this way, our fathers and prophets did not desire without reason that music be always used in churches. Hence, we have so many psalms and songs. This precious gift has been given to man alone that he might thereby remind himself that God has created man for the express purpose of praising and extolling God. We ought to have a song on our hearts. We ought to be always ready to praise the Lord that way. Why? Because we have a heart of peace. Turn to Colossians. You're in there already. One page over to, uh, to Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15. The Bible says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now again, why do we have the peace of God? Because we have his grace. It says to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The order that we see in Scripture is grace, then peace, as we mentioned. The peace that comes from God's grace gives us reason to sing regardless of our circumstances. Do you remember when Paul and Silas were incarcerated in Philippi? They had been beaten. They had been thrown in stocks. They were sitting there. They were uncomfortable. They were hurting. They were in pain. And what were they doing? They were singing. They were singing. I mean, imagine that. The very last thing I'd want to do after I was beaten is be just singing away. Uh, but that's what they were doing. By the way, that testimony led to a whole jail full of people getting saved because of their response to it. Uh, this was because they had God's peace, and that was because they had God's grace. Acts 16.25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You better believe the prisoners heard them. You know what happens if you'll sing uh, is people will hear you too. I'm not talking about those dumb I've never been a fan of musicals, movies, where like you have a normal movie and then they just break out in song. It's like, who does that? That is not normal to act like it. And then they act like it's normal that the whole town starts to go through and they do the song. But not talking about being a weirdo like that, but the praise that we give to God, the song that we have on our hearts, is a testimony to those around us as it was there. Uh, the Psalms, uh, songs, and spiritual songs mentioned in Ephesians 5. This is all an expression of gratitude to the Lord and worship. These exist in our hearts as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine, be filled with spirit. And then because of that, we're able to sing those songs to the Lord. The grace of God leads to thankful and singing believers. Let me ask you tonight, do you have a song in your heart? Do you, uh, are you a, a God-praiser or a complainer? That's a good question for us to consider. Just the joy of knowing we're saved gives us reason to sing. It doesn't matter what else is going on in our life. We can rejoice because we're saved. Think, just, just wrap your mind. One million years from tonight, you're still going strong. Do you think, by the way, it'll matter then who won the election or who had it stolen from them? 
I mean, it's upsetting now, but do you think it'll matter then? No. Your salvation will, though. And if you're here and you're not saved, you don't know if you have Christ as your Savior, uh, one million years from tonight, you'll be still regretting that decision. And so we got to get our perspective right and really realize what's important. It bothers me to no end. And, and by the way, I, I, I'm not immune from this, so I'm not saying I've got this conquered in my life. I also uh, can get into, just ask my wife, she'll tell you. I can sometimes be sour Christian too, but uh, it bothers me that we have sour Christians, unhappy. They're, they're, the most miserable Christians in the, in the church are those that have their foot in both sides. They have their foot in the world, and they have their foot, uh, one in heaven and one on earth. And they're trying to uh, get the best of both worlds. They call on Christ, but they still try to find their security, their satisfaction, and their fulfillment from this world. They're riding the fence, and they're not happy. There's misery in that. Listen, just sell out to the Lord. You know why they were so faithful in Hebrews 11? Because now they desire a better country. That's why they kept doing what they did. They had their eyes off this world and on to heaven. If you want the peace that produces a singing heart, set your heart on things above. That's the key. They're so important. He is a, I don't know who said this, but I like it. He is a wise man who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for those which he has. We have much to be thankful for. Let's rejoice in those. Charles Spurgeon says, settle the center and the circumference is secure. And we need to settle that uh, center within us. So because of a heart of peace, we can be a singing Christian. Because of a heart of gratitude, we can be a singing Christian. Discouragement quiets our singing when we lose sight of the incredible work that God's done for us. Maintaining a proper focus on the miracle of our salvation gives us reason to sing all the time, no matter what happens. By the way, singing is a natural outgrowth of a thankful heart. Do you have a thankful heart? Well, I just got so many problems. Well, we can still be thankful. It doesn't matter how bad our life is or how bad uh, our circumstances are. Listen, if you're a saved child of God, you got something to sing about. You got something to be thankful for. And uh, that's, look, I, I, I'll be honest with you tonight, I'd rather be a broke Christian than an unsaved billionaire any day of the week. Because one is eternal and one is temporary. That's why Colossians 3.15 instructs us to be thankful. Bob Jones Sr. said, When gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is nigh, or well nigh hopeless. We need to be filled with gratitude. And then because of a heart filled with God's word, as the word dwells in us richly, we're going to be singing Christians. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 here it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And those things are going to lead us to be singing Christians. We ought to be memorizing the word. We ought to be reading the word. Uh, do you memorize scripture, by the way, verses? I've uh, not long ago started to try to memorize at least one verse a week. I know we ought to do ten verses a week, but just do one a week. That's, that's, that's tough enough. You memorize verses? Uh, as, and uh, challenge yourself to do that. Try to, do, try to take that on. It'll help you. We also need to be a part of a church that teaches and preaches the Scriptures. Now, here 
here's some truths, and we could go through many, and I'm running out of time here anyway, but regardless of our circumstances, here's some truths of the Bible that we can always be singing about. God's love for me is unchanging. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? The Bible says in 1 John 4.10, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What could you do tonight? Listen, every young person here, I'd love to have your attention on this one. What could you do tonight? Just think to yourself, you don't have to answer loud, to make God love you more. What's one thing you could change about yourself to make God love you more? Just think about that question. Can you think of something? The answer, of course, is a trick question. The answer is nothing. You can do nothing to make God love you more. You can do more to please him, but you can't make him love you more. He loves you with a perfect love. That's something to sing about. And then God's purpose for me is Christ's likeness. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is something for us to praise the Lord for that God has a purpose for each and every one of us. We are not, I was explaining that to some, that person I was talking to today, we're not cosmic uh, accidents of nature. There's a purpose in our life. And when we recognize that, that's a blessing. God's word will always have the right answers. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of the soul and spirit. Uh, God's word is always going to be sufficient and have the answers. God's grace, these are things that we can be thankful for. God's grace is sufficient. 2 Timothy 2.1, thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Understand these things are unaffected by any circumstances. New laws, higher gas prices, all those things that are coming our way. <laughs> higher interest rates. These things don't affect these truths. Hang on to the truths of the word of God. It'll help us. And uh, I, uh, uh, Colossians 4, I, I'll just close these verses. I got like three more pages of notes here, but I uh, won't hold you all night. Colossians 4, 3. I find this amazing. With all praying for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I also am in bonds. Not just stop and consider that verse. You're in prison, and you want to share a prayer request with the people at the church. On Wednesday nights, I usually call different people checking up on how they're doing so I can update our prayer list and, and uh, just you know double, double check in with them. And so you get the call Wednesday night. You're in prison. What do you want us to put on the prayer list? What's your prayer request? I know what mine would be. That God would get me out of here. That would be my prayer request. That the governor grants me clemency. That they see my case the right way and that I can be free. Paul's in prison. That's not his prayer request. His prayer request is pray for us that God will open unto us a door of utterance. That floors me. Because Paul's not any superhuman. He's just a man. He's a man. He's a He's a great Christian, probably the best Christian ever lived, but he's nothing special about Paul as far as beyond. He's just a, he's a man. He has the same desire, all of us. By the way, Paul was a, uh, not, not a person that enjoyed being caged up, yet that was not his prayer request. His prayer request is, you know, we want to witness to people. 
pray that God opens those doors. Not that God opens the doors of my prison, but that God opens the doors of opportunity for me to preach the gospel to others. That is amazing to me. Now, who could get to that point? What kind of man is that? And by the way, we, in this day, and, and, and I, again, we don't know what's ahead for us, but I have a feeling that this might, we might be struggling in some of these areas, but up to this point, we are so soft. We're so big on comfort and uh, things going our way and feeling good about everything. You know, we, we can't, I mean, just, just the fact that we can't be offended at church. I mean, we're offended. We gotta, it's like the world ends if somebody offends me because we're soft. I mean, our, our ancestors were ripped apart for serving God. And when we can't, you know, somebody didn't shake hands with me and the world's ending. We are, we are so absorbed and consumed with preserving and that we are comfortable. And here's Paul. What kind of person focuses on soul winning instead of deliverance? A person that is more concerned about the glory of God than they are about anything uh, at, at self, about self. Now let me ask you this question. And think about it. Don't just answer it. Think about it in your mind before you answer it. Are you willing to see God glorified at your own personal expense? If it costs you, are you willing to see God glorified? Now, we want to say yes, but we ought to think about that because that's a tough thing. Here's a man, Paul, who's growing in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I, uh, I find it amazing that he, at this point, and, and it's funny that he actually opens for an, he does pray for an open door. If I was in prison, I would pray for an open door as well. It wouldn't be for an open door of utterance. It would be for an open door so I can walk out of here. But Paul didn't. He had the right perspective. And I just want to encourage you tonight uh, that, that it, it's so easy to get discouraged and so easy to get down when things happen. But let's remember who we are. Let's remember what we have in Christ. The grace that we have. And then let's, let's demonstrate that grace with other people. Shame on any Christian who will enjoy the grace of God and then refuse to give it to anyone else. Let's, let's not be that person. And so let's give him the glory. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showering and bestowing on us grace. I pray, Lord, that you would help us now to be a people that would...